I've done the suburban thing, and now I want to do something that's extremely challenging out of my comfort zone that I really feel God, you know, has compassion for the least of these. Yeah. And I want to be involved with the least of these as much as I can, uh, lifting up, advocating for those issues, and always had a heart for justice. And this was a great platform to come in and say, do you really believe this? Do you really believe God wants shalom in a community? The hard part is getting there. So glad you stopped by here on the Bot Radio Network for this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Today we've got Dottie Gilbert, Executive Director of Kingdom Community Builders. Now, I usually call him Don, but I just had to say that because I saw on your Facebook page, you've got Donnie. Have you changed your name? Well, I got hacked. Oh, so I'm on the wrong page. Am I? No, no, you're right. Am I, I friends with a hacker? Was Don Gilbert on Facebook, and then I had to change it to Donnie Gilbert. But I grew up Donnie Gilbert. When I came to Memphis, I tried to be more adult, so I went to Don Gilbert. Down in Cocoa Beach, Florida is where you grew up. Now, Cocoa Beach is known as the gateway to the Kennedy Space Center. There's also the Florida Surf Museum and the Lori Wilson Park, which is supposed to be quite beautiful. Have you seen any of these attractions? <laughs> Saw them all last October. Okay. Uh, my father worked with NASA, and he came to Cocoa Beach, Cape Canaveral in 1956. Wow. And was one of the first group of engineers, worked on the Titan II series. So I was a, what they called a space brat. You were a space brat. You know, my brother-in-law works for NASA now, and he just got a, a new job assignment where he's actually working on the space shuttle, managing what goes up on the shuttle and things. It's pretty fascinating. Those early days, Don, I mean, gosh, that was groundwork stuff that was happening back in those days. It was so exciting. My father did the Titan II rockets, the booster rockets, and we knew some astronauts. You had kids that their parents were heavily involved in the space program. In fact, one of my friends, he was second in NASA, and he had a red phone that went to the White House. And one time as kids, we picked it up because we didn't know it was the White House, and we called him just to talk to him. We got in a lot of trouble for that. But Did somebody pick the phone up? Yes, they did. Was it actually the president? No, it wasn't <laughs> the president. It was somebody from the White House. Yeah. But we learned from that mistake. <laughs> but yeah, when you look up in the sky, and I can remember being on the beach when the mission to the moon went, and you just looked up there and go, that's coming right here from Cape Canaveral. This is unbelievable. What about all these conspiracies that say, you know, that was all rigged. Nobody ever actually landed on the moon. That craft didn't make it to the moon. <laughs> well, you can take those kooks and put them in the same thing that don't believe the Holocaust happened either. Yeah. And so many other things of history. You lived for how long there before you left that area? Well, we came in 56 and I would have been there until I went to college and then started to work in another city at college. But my mother lived there until she was 94. So, wow. It's a long history there. Kingdom Community Builders, Don, is a ministry that you are the, as I mentioned, executive director, a ministry that's located, nestled in the, the heart of Orange Mound and has a heart for the community of Orange Mound. And I kind of want to spend some time talking about, and we've done this before, but I want to spend a little more time talking as we unfold today's show, talking about the history of Orange Mound, which is we know and many know it's got a great historic charter, really, a neighborhood in southeast Memphis 
first neighborhood in America to be built by and for African Americans. It was built on the grounds of the former Diedrich Plantation, which that plantation spanned some 5,000 acres in its original state, included 25 enslaved black men, women, and children that worked on the plantation. And then on December the 18th, 1889, a white real estate developer, Eugene Meacham, purchased some of the Diedrich land to develop a subdivision catered toward working class black families. They called the subdivision Orange Mound, which was inspired really by the, what tree was those again? It was an Osage tree. Osage. Do we still have some around the city? There's still some in Orange Mound, but they're kind of like an orange fruit, uh, not like an orange orange, but just an orange colored fruit. And so... That's where they came up with that name. It really provided some affordable land and residences for the less wealthy in the black community. And it really became, gosh, population-wise, in comparison to Harlem, New York City, it was like the second largest concentration of black population in America right here in our city, in Orange Mound. You know, the interesting fact is uh, Dedrick, when he sold the land to Meacham, he specifically told him, don't sell the land to Negroes. So Meacham turned around and carved that. And I believe originally it was May of 1890 when they first started that. And I believe it was something like 970 shotgun houses, which would have been 40 feet across, 100 feet deep. You could buy the land, I think, for $15 and you paid like a down payment of $5 and then 50 cents a month until you paid it off. And then you could build your house on there. And to your point in Harlem, Orange Mound was... The Harlem of the South, the same type of renaissance, the same type of pride that you had there, the culture, W.C. Handy, just a lot of African-American first came from that Orange Mound community. Well, during the 1940s and 50s, as prominent families, strong families in that community, uh, preachers, churches, civic pride. I mean, there was a lot happening there. Of course, that detoured when the drugs came in, especially crack really devastated the community, didn't it? Yes. So there are a couple things when you look at uh, the Orange Mound and its change. One, it was middle class. There are a couple factories that closed. And when those closed, it was more black flight than white flight. So blacks left into other areas. So you left that middle class base. And then you had the drugs come in and the crack cocaine. That led to the mass incarceration of African-Americans and kind of that disproportionate arrest of the inner city. So the the rate of drug use between whites and blacks weren't any different. They just concentrated on black areas. So once you had that incarceration issue, you would see that a lot of the fathers were disappearing into the prison system, which led to the single parents' mothers and to the grandmothers. And you had welfare coming in. There are a lot of changes that took place that just saw the community begin to go into a dive. And what year was it that you and your family actually set up home in the Orange Mountain community where your residence is? Um, October 2013. Okay. And we've talked before, but I want to kind of just remember the reason that you felt compelled. You were working in a suburban church, Central Church, well-known, established Bible teaching, preaching church in our community, and felt led of the Lord to relocate. So I was looking at uh, local missions. We were doing kind of a typical paradigm of let's support a lot of parachurch ministries. What we were doing was supporting a number of those, but weren't getting our people engaged. So decided that maybe it's better to look at adopting a zip code 
and then using our resources to come alongside that zip code. So everything we do in the church, we could do in that zip code. So for instance, we had a great youth ministry, great children's ministry, great women's ministry. So let's go in the inner city and see if we can help be a resource and say, hey, we've got some best practices we can share with you. What can we do to help you make your churches stronger? And the other part was this whole idea of the concept of shalom. You know, what do you do from Collierville? Memphis is 20 minutes away. And yet there are so many issues, so many biblical justice issues on the secular side, they'd say social justice issues, but those things were taking place. And it seemed like in the suburbs, we just weren't aware or involved and engaged in those. Mm -hmm. And so the idea was to get into the inner city and ask the question, what's missing, what's broken? What can we do to bring repair? How can we help the inner city flourish? Those were things as a church we were not doing intentionally. So this gave us that opportunity to be embedded in a community by living there, relocating. You're able to hear from the residents themselves, people who live there, what we call proximity, to be close and solidarity, to understand what's important to them and to come alongside them. I guess you had some raised eyebrows at first, too, right? When you moved in, here's a white family moving in a predominantly black community. I mean, when you, when you said that you have some ideas that could maybe help them in their church, in their ministry in the community, were they receptive to those ideas at first? Well, there's definitely invisible barriers. Orange Mountain was not like a place, being Hampton, who had 50, 60 relocators coming in. Orange Mound had less than five, maybe white families coming in for the purpose of ministry. And those other families would have been with Christ Community Health Services. So, yeah, the difficulty was just that distrust. And then who are you? What are you doing here? How long are you going to be here before you leave? What's yeah. in it for you? Yeah. So even now, being there 10 years, there's still some of that distrust. I think there always will be. But at the same time, you know, that credibility of living in the community mm -hmm. and coming in has helped an awful lot. Yep. And it wasn't really, to me, coming in with ideas. It was more of trying to find those grassroots people who lived in the community and said, hey, this is something we want to do for our community. And then Kingdom Community Builders is able to come alongside and say, well, how can we help resource you? What can we do to help you fulfill? So even now, the projects we have are all connected with community partners. When the ministry originally entered into the Orange Mountain community, when you, you and your family moved there, was there a ministry model that you had drawn up called Kingdom Community Builders, or did that later become a reality? Yeah, I think it later became a reality. So it was looking at the concept that we had at the church was to make a 10-year commitment to do community development. And then it took time to get to know the stakeholders in the community. So I probably met with 30 or 40 people just to hear their story, what they like about the community, to ask the question, if you had a magic wand, what would you change? And then to begin to meet people who were doing things and then saying, okay, um, what needs to be done in the community? What would you like to do? How can we come alongside you and help? So it took a little while to be able to do what we would call asset-based community development to get an idea of what the community wants. And start building that trust in those yes. relationships. There was an original Orange Mound Collaborative that was funded by the Ford Foundation. Was that a profitable thing? Was that a good thing for the community? I think there are some issues that came up with the collaborative in terms of getting people on the same page to work together. 
which is sometimes an issue you have of finding unity in the community. You have to be able to put aside your agenda to work for the common interest, the common good. And I think there are some issues there. So the Orange Mound Collaborative kind of died, and then they've tried to revitalize that in a number of different groups. The current version of that is the historical Orange Mound Collaborative with my friend Tony Blankenship. But the idea is just to try and get people to work together, and that seems to be a hard thing to do. I know Red Zone Ministries, Howard Eddings is a friend of mine. We went to Mid-South Bible College together. Of course, uh, Howard's been doing some great things, and and I know God's blessed that ministry. They moved into like a new facility, or is there a community center or something that's a result of that? I saw Howard yesterday. He does have a building, the Red Zone building, which I've heard various names with it, kind of an empowerment zone, a youth center. And the building's there. I think they're waiting on the occupancy permit to officially open. Okay. But it's a great opportunity to have like a, a ma'am or a street approach. You've got a building. You've got a gym. You can do after-school care. You can do tutoring. You can bring all types of life skills and classes and really be a focal point to empower youth and young adults and people in the community. So just admire Howard and the great work he's yeah. done and his perseverance. This is a dream of his, and it's take a lot of hard work to get there. And I'm so excited for it to open for the impact that it can have in bringing our youth together. I mean, he grew up in the Orange Mound community, and that's where his heart is. I know he was the executive director of the Memphis Leadership Foundation. He had a great position God was using to bless and direct so many local ministries, you know, under that umbrella organization. And then he just felt God leading him like he was in a comfortable place like you were. And sometimes God moves us out of that comfortable place, doesn't he? Oh, he certainly does. It's one of those things I think is a Christian. I remember when the prayer of Jabez that came out the book, David Wilkerson, and it came out and it talked about God expanding your territories. Sometimes we finally get to a place where we want to be and then we get content and we think, okay, I've got a hold of this. I've got a good grasp. And then all of a sudden the Lord will just come in and say, okay, you got that down. Now it's time for something else. And sometimes those changes put you in a a position of discomfort of having to start all over in an area that you're not even exposed to and saying, Lord, what am I doing here and why? And then having to learn to trust the Lord all over again to see what the Lord does. That was my story. I mean, I never would have pictured myself living in the inner city at that time and having to learn the things that I've learned. But I just thank the Lord for giving me that opportunity. Did did God take you through the Jonah syndrome? Were you running from that? Or when you clearly saw what God wanted you to do, did you engage it and say, yes, Lord, I'm ready to do that? No, I don't think it was a running. I think it was (laughs) not running from. I think there was a running too. It was like, here's something that can have more impact in my last years of life. Not that I'm an old geezer, but (laughs) thinking, you know, I've done ministry. I've done the suburban thing. And now I want to do something that's extremely challenging out of my comfort zone that I really feel God, you know, has compassion for the least of these. And I want to be involved with the least of these as much as I can, uh, lifting up, advocating Mm. for those issues and always had a heart for justice. And this was a great platform to come in and say, do you really believe this? Do you really believe God wants shalom in a community? The hard part is getting there. Yeah. 
and you've been diligent, you know, these years. God is blessed in so many ways, and these partnerships are so vital. I want to talk about some of those. As we talk about projects and other things that are happening in the Orange Mountain community, under the umbrella of Kingdom Community Builders is the Community Navigator Pilot Program you guys are engaged with. Tell us something about that. So as a result of COVID, uh, the government recognized that small businesses were struggling, and especially to keep afloat. And then the climate of how difficult it would be to start businesses. So the Small Business Association or agency of the government developed a grant that came through Building Memphis, which went out to seven satellite communities in the city. Orange Mound was one of those. So it's basically a small business technical assistance program. It's kind of what we call a pathway to being bankable and successful. So we'll take a subject for a small business, which might be, what does it take for a bank to be able to look at you and then give you money? So how do you become bankable? What are the steps? So we'll have a workshop speaker come in, lay it out. And then following that, we'll say, if you want to pursue this topic, here's some homework and we'll give you two or three hours free with that consultant. And so we've broken down that pathway to to how to create your business and sustain your business into multiple workshops. Now, the targeted group is women, veterans, and minority business owners. Is that the way it's structured? Yes. Now, it doesn't necessarily ideally work out that way. Right. But we're heavily involved in Orange Mound, so we do have women, we do have minority, we do have the veterans, and it's helping people think through, if I wanted to go from a hustle into a business, how can I do that? Do you have any examples of those you're working with now who are moving toward that direction? We have a couple that, you know, if you're going to start a business, that's a hard thing to do, to start from scratch. So we have some that are kind of doing some consulting, some leadership stuff. I've got one of my friends who wants to start a coffee business, somebody else who wants to do something with clothing, clothing design. So it's a hard step because you're going from scratch. Yeah. And then you're trying to think through, well, what's a business plan? I mean, this is our first full year. Okay. So we're still helping people in that process of how to create their business plan, how to create their marketing plan. They just need some guidance and and also some encouragement along the way because it can be fearful if you've never stepped into something like that. It is. It's hard to believe that you could do something. And so a lot of this is just groundwork. So we're the groundwork to get someone to be able to go to a community development financial institution with a business plan and say, hey, we've thought this through. Um, What kind of funding is available? So we can do the technical assistance. The best we can do is prepare them to go to a funder and then hope from there that there's funding out there that would uh, help them take the next steps. Don, you've said that the inner city has seen its share of Turkey Christians. Those who bring that turkey once a year and drop it off, and they've done their duty. I want to talk about now some needs of Kingdom Community Builders. What needs do you have right now? Ongoing needs, not just at Thanksgiving time, at Christmas time, but throughout the year, ongoing needs of the ministry. There are some things that just come across as just meeting physical needs, because it's as simple as groceries with the prices that have increased. You get to Thanksgiving, Christmas groceries, you know, just costs have gone up. With costs have come still people struggling with MLG&W or car repairs. Some of those things that in the suburbs, you know, we would just fix with a credit card. In the inner city, that's a bump. 
if you're running on the track of just surviving and you have a car that goes out and you can't get to work, that car goes off the track and everything else is off the track too. You can correct it. When I think of needs for us, our grant for the small business program will expire early next year. I mean, there's still a need to continue that type of training. When I look at what needs to be done in Orange Mound, we have an Orange Mound Community Land Trust that we're beginning to form, and that's a pathway to home ownership. Mm-hmm. So 70% of people in Orange Mound are renting, and they will never, ever, ever, ever own a house if we don't change things. So our community needs a community land trust. So we can have a organization that does the community land trust. But if we don't have funding to be able to repair houses, to be able to build houses, subsidize those things so it's affordable, then we'll never get to that pathway. So I think there are bigger needs that are there. Um, Another need is career technology in our school systems. We've got to get career technology back in our local high schools. Yeah. Uh, If we're not going to educate our kids, then we need to have that pathway into those type of jobs that are paying well. The electricians, the plumbers, construction, welding, HVAC. Those are things that kids aren't exposed to. Well, I'll tell you, when I was in public school here in in the city, the vocational center, it gave me hope. I mean, I was ready to drop out of school by ninth grade, personally. I didn't know the Lord at that time. And it was later when I found Christ. But during those years, when the Votech Center was open and available to me, gosh, it gave me a whole new sense of excitement for life and what I could do. And largely, the work I'm doing today in, in broadcasting was foundational from some of that audio recording class that was at the Votech Center. There was something that was of interest to me. Like you're saying, having the skill training of welding, of electricians, and I totally agree with you. Those institutions have got to be open to our students today. We've got to get that back into the school so they're exposed. They, they don't know necessarily how to proceed into those type of trades. So they need to be exposed to it and see if they like it. They need to know what certification means. We've got with the Tennessee Promise that ability to send them to technical school, but sometimes there are still obstacles in terms of how do I get there? How do I afford books? How do I afford my tools? How do I afford certification? And there are resources, but we're just not making those connections as well as we need to. And Memphis has one of the highest unemployment rates for youth and for young adults. And if we're going to turn that corner and get people from off the streets into reliable jobs that will pay more than the $15 an hour livable minimum wage, that's the pathway. And it's a travesty that our state government and those in power can't get us to that point. Kingdom Community Builders is who we're talking with today, friend, here on Mid-South Viewpoint on the Bot Radio Network. Don Gilbert, the executive director, it's always great to have you in the studio. I know you're looking for partnerships, uh, whether it be individuals, churches, corporations, local companies, businesses who can come and partner with you in some of the projects that we've been talking about, some of the dreams that you have that need to go to the next level and cannot because it's restricted for financial reasons. But I would also add to that to our Bot Radio Network listeners, Don, is for prayer. That is where (laughs) we need to start. Really, we need people to be prayer warriors for this ministry and the work in Orange Mound. I think one of the biggest lessons that I've learned after living in the city for 10 years immediately that struck me was 
uh, the spiritual battle that's taking place. You don't think about it, the spiritual warfare, but when you settle in and you see the strongholds that are there, just remind you that evil is there, that those strongholds are there, that Satan has got such a grasp on the dynamics and the nature of the inner city. And that intercession has got to pray in such a way, it's the image of me of taking a claw and removing one claw at a time through that prayer. When you look at the strongholds of single parent families, the domestic violence of just the crime, just this whole thought of, I'll just be lucky if I survive my teenage years, my young adults years. I'll be lucky if I live to 25. And the number of people coming in and out of the justice system, the juvenile justice system. Satan is just delighted with wow. the work. And for us to come in and to come into an orange mound and say, we want to take back territory. We want the kingdom in heaven to come on earth. And that's a battle with Satan. And he doesn't give up easily. Oh. And that's the biggest lesson is that spiritual warfare is something that is heavily ingrained. It is a daily battle. Yes. Well, friends, we're going to have to say goodbye with our friend Don Gilbert today with the Kingdom Community Builders. The web address is kingdomcommunitybuilders.org. I encourage you to go there. They also have Facebook presence on social media. You can learn about the ministry. I'm thankful that our church partners with you guys and is involved with a regular basis coming out on different projects and ministering. And then that can be available for your church too, friend. Please contact kingdomcommunitybuilders.org. Learn more information. You can get the contact information for Don and learn more about the ministry. Well, Don, God bless you, my friend. Thanks so much for stopping by. Well, it's always an opportunity, and we're just so grateful for what the Lord has allowed us to do in the community and how He has provided for us. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint here on the Bot Radio Network. Thanks for listening. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.